Yeah, it's Tim Croce, uh, Time in a Bottle. Man, imagine that, if you could do that. Uh, you're getting into some Doctor Who, and you kind of, you know, in a bottle or whatever, but, you know, time. It's, uh, um, it flexes like a whore, uh, it does. Uh, we're going back to the basement. Um, uh, I like this guy. This is Patrick. <laughs> He's the old, old overholt. O-V-E-R-H-O-L-T, Overholt. Uh, the song's called uh, The Participant. Um, now, we're going to do The Republic. Um, I'm trying to get, because I think I did that last show, but I'm trying to get that one up. We've had a little problem with that. This is The Republic. I'm touching that. The dots are going. Um, if you dig this, this is The Overholt. Uh, Bandcamp. Heather was a play in the town's van sand. Husband Mike was a green. You just, just can't bounce the bright belly terror in the basket bachelor backhand. See, I was way late at the Portland train station. Though I knew in Idaho a nice girl was waiting. Bounce the bright belly terror in the basket bachelor backhand. When the white woman playing the video poker breaks a rocks glass, ass for fives and the last bounce of bright belly terror in the basket bachelor backhand. I got sick at the Republic, lost my momentum and my drug addict, missed my train, what a shame, and my last chance to stay sane. 
vagina, tell me, a fucking around when you got $20, better buy a round, bounce the bright belly, tear in the bastard bachelor backhand. Broken bodies on the bus today, broke down, breaking badly, breaking rules today, with the Bluetooth speaker and a 20-ounce hurricane. Broken bodies on the max today, sleeping off a desperate shelter, stay with the Bluetooth speaker and the 20-ounce hurricane. And Heather was a play in the town's van, saying husband Mike was a green, he just, just can't bounce the bright belly terror in the basket bachelor backhand. When the white woman playing the video poker breaks a rocks glass, ask for fives in the last bounce of bright belly bearer in the basket bachelor backs and bounce that settle and a bounce the bag of amber. Yeah, that was Neil Young, a soldier. That's a that's a that's a great campfire song. <laughs> I gotta tell you, uh, he has so many great campfire songs. Uh, we're going back to the basement, kind of. This is um, this is a cat that I've known for uh, a good many years. His kid and my kid have gone to school together, and uh, he's always been a good friend. And he's a, a very accomplished musician. So he laid this on me. Uh, it was my birthday last uh, week, 
Oh, thanks. No, no, really. Thank you. Um, and uh, he gave me a record, which he has, you know, I think he has a few hundred of them in his closet. And he gave me this. So this is the gels. Hold on. Um, uh, this is the gels uh, from the record Quality Time. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know. This is side one. Uh, I don't know if it's side one or side two. It's so the way the way the kids were doing, you couldn't tell what was what. So it's either sitting still or uh, missed, uh, Mr. Big. So uh, uh, the gels. So they were they were very they were very hot in the um, in the early '90s in the uh, LA scene. Here we go. Hold on. I still remember the day 
That was the death of an angel now. I don't know why I want to be beside her, but I'm afraid to die. My baby's gone. My baby's gone away. My baby's gone. Yeah, she left me to stay. Oh, oh, oh baby, please come back home.
thanks for doing what you got to do to do. And, um, you know, take care of one another. And uh, let's uh, use our, uh, our, uh, our positive kind of, uh, you know, introspective kind of, uh, you know, that thing that we, that we have to reach deep inside that we can help that we can help those who, who need help and we can be helped by those who are willing to help us. But still the tears keep falling They're raining from the sky Well, let the light of me got to go under Before I get high Don't you let the sun disappear Don't you let the sun disappear Don't you let the sun Say that you won't believe in my life Say 
on a lark and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl. That's the duh of Francais, not the duh of dames. But never mind that. Don't follow me now. Follow me later. I mean, for right now. Ah, let's watch a full-length movie on you. W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That stands for Let's Watch, a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. I'm writing it down right now. That's how you, you should. find the podcast. That's the, that's the only way you can find the podcast is through our acronym. We also have a YouTube channel where we sync up the movies. We watch full-length movies with you, and you listen to the, us on the podcast and watch the movie on the YouTube uh, and you could first, uh, you could follow our podcast, or you could stream us live, or stream us first at Mutiny Radio every Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we'd like you to donate money to Mutiny Radio. Go to Venmo and donate at Mutiny Radio. Carl, what is the movie we're watching this week? We are watching Playing for Keeps, 1986. Playing for Keeps, 1986. Ooh. You must put in 1986 to get the right one. Right. We want the 1986 playing for keeps. We don't want the 2002 playing for keeps. Right. The, yeah. I'm sorry. We need to So, all right. So go ahead and uh, I'm very excited. Is this a Scottish movie? This is not a Scottish movie. Thank goodness for both of us. And it's the channel we like is Chris Carnahan. All right. Chris Carnahan. And please subscribe to Chris Carnahan. He's got 65 subscribers. Let's help no. him. Out, huh? He's got 66. Oh, no, wait. I got to sign in. Fuck it. He's got 65. All right. <laughs> All right. I've already okay. subscribed and bumped him up one. So nice. Okay. So, ladies and gentlemen, we want you to subscribe to Chris Carnahan. Go ahead and type in playing for keeps. Uh, search for it on your YouTube. 1986. Hit pause immediately. Move the scoots to timer to zero, zero, zero. And uh, thanks to our celebrity comedian countdown, he will let you know when you can play when the countdown has been dispersed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. 
welcome to Celebrity Comic Countdown, starring Jeannie Noel, the comedian extraordinaire. Jeannie Noel. Woo, thank you, Carl. Yes, I am Jeannie Noel, comedian extraordinaire. Um, you're a Facebook live streamer, you're a tarot card reader, you're a mom of three. You think you got things going on. I got a lot going on. I've been doing Zoom open mics also. Yeah, you hear right. the horn in the background? That's well, we know this is a, a show of action. <laughs> that so, might be my car right now getting broken into. Getting stolen. But I'm we, glad to be here helping you out. Thank you. And you helped us out for our Christmas show. You did a lot of readings for movie trailers. And um, I hope you checked out those trailers. You, they came out pretty good. I did. They were amazing. So much fun. So much fun to play Pinocchio and a host of other uh, whatever people cartoon <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you were great in Wonder Woman. Someday it will be different, Diana. <laughs> you got to hear yourself. The world is not ready for a wall that you will do. <laughs> you just woke you up in the trailer and said, we got to shoot. Come on. I did not have time to like really listen to the trailers first to see what I should have sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Okay, so you're our countdown queen. Not king today. Countdown queen. So let's count it down for the folks at home. Three, two, one, go. Uh, I'm very excited to watch this movie. It takes place in outer space. A little cloudy in there. Oh, well, that's yeah, we're, oh. you see, we're going to Earth here. Oh, good. I like a movie that's grounded. <laughs> Ooh, a Miramax production. Yeah. Yeah. That, I've heard of Miramax. That you're, you're Universal bought and distributed, directed by... Whom? Whom? Bob and Harvey Weinstein. So the Weinstein brothers wrote and directed this movie? Yeah, and we're going to see the Trade Towers almost right away, by the way. Here we yes, go. Yes, I know. There we go. World Trade Towers. This is pre-9-11. Except it just tipped over, see? <laughs> no, this is the urban blight that they live in. Ooh. This is Pete Townsend serenading us. <laughs> Pete who? Pete Townsend? <laughs> I swear, every here? time I hear Pete Townsend solo material, I'm like, he's missing three guys. <laughs> He's been missing two guys, right? Such a better film. Uh, such a better song if he was. So this was a serious uh, movie. Uh, Miramax was young at the time. Uh, they had been founded in 79, right? So we're talking about six or seven years later, they're making this film. There's Marissa Tomei, and she is not famous yet. She was okay. uh, Mandy in The Flamingo Kid in 84, and she was... And she was in Toxic Avenger as Health Club Girl, uncredited. So, man. So we get Marissa Torme. Yeah. Did she have to go fly to New Jersey to shoot Toxic Avenger? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Now, this mm -hmm. is, uh, takes place in Pennsylvania, a town called Hawley. Hawley, H A W L E Y, Pennsylvania. It's shot all over Pennsylvania, and they do uh, a bunch of sh shooting in Manhattan. Yeah, well, the intro looks like it's from straight out of the city. Is there, like, a guy talking about it? My best friend, Silk. Yeah, yeah. What was it, JoJo? And, uh, 
Right. Jojo and bang, bang. Bang. No, it's um it's spikes, silk, and Danny. Oh, and all right. spikes will be like whatever we when we was growing up, it was it was always and Danny was the dreamer. And so, so Danny's the star, but Spike's narrating it. Oh, there right. we go. Tower. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait for their exciting adventures. Written by, by Bob and Hart. Yeah. Because they, um, this is a bunch of their childhood experiences. Believe oh, it or not. Directed a movie. So you were. We were talking about this because we know that Harvey Weinstein directed his own movie. He didn't co this is not the first time he's in a, been in a director's chair. Oh, here we well, go. Two Me times. and Danny, Danny and Silk and Bang, we used to hang out at Cherry's uh, yeah. Soda Pop. My best buddies. My best buddies. Yeah. All friends with Jimmy Bayo. It was a good time. <laughs> Jimmy Bayo is in this film. And you know he's Scott Bayo's cousin, but the thing yes, is, not, much not more brother. than that, he, he he is his own actor. Uh, we saw Scott Bayo's premiere. Uh, that was what? That was um. We could have been anything that we wanted to be. Uh, oh, it Bugsy? was Bugsy Malone. That's right. And, yeah, that wasn't that was that was Scott Bayo though. That wasn't Jimmy Bayo. Right. I'm just saying that. This was around that same, like at age 13, which is 1975, um, you know, he, he first appeared on screen. But he was Billy Tate in the comedy series Soap from right. 77 to 81. I mean, he's his own actor. He really is. Well, you know I know him from Bad News Bears and Breaking Training, the second one, where he yeah. literally plays a man named Carmen. Carmen Ranzoni. <laughs> They use the song Carmen, right? The the opera to great effect, and they're like, "Let's make a sequel." But this time, we'll name a kid. We'll name the Italian kid Carmen. Right. That's yeah. exactly what happened. That was '77. Also, um, let's see. He, uh, you know, he was on Matlock, Trapper John, MD, Too Close to Comfort, and then he was in a bunch of like Family Feud and twenty thousand dollar pyramid. There's, I don't know. He sort yeah. of went away, but he had a serious career. Um, it's not easy being a child actor, especially one like distinctive looking as uh, Jimmy Bayo. Jimmy, hey, 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 Jimmy! We're actually seeing all the players uh, that we'll meet later in the film as they're going to the high school address. So now Danny's going to get up and basically say, "High school was bullshit," and everyone's going to applaud. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Tell it like it is. <laughs> da, 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 da. Whoa! I don't know. At least in Parky's three, one guy was naked. Remember that? Like yeah. during the graduation. That, we just saw Scott Bale for one second there in the crowd. Scott, was, no, Jimmy Bale. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Oh, what a mistake. Jimmy would be pissed. I always love it when they have high school movies where there's one kid smoking pot in the crowd, as if they, he would be able to get away with that. Absolutely ridiculous, right? Yeah, right? Smoking a J right there in front of <laughs> Okay, now this is a childhood game of the Weinstein brothers, and uh, it's called uh, Christopher Columbus. Columbus. Yeah. And oh, Columbus. 
Christopher Columbus was basically a combination of hide and seek and capture the flag together. And you have to graffiti tag the name of it on the wall where you play. <laughs> I think that was probably just for this movie. So uh, now we have pretend tough white people, right? You see how the collar pops are there? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was yeah, a statement back in 86. Yeah. Now, are they supposed to be like, is this nostalgia? Is this the 70s? Or is it supposed to be like present day 86? Um, I guess it's present day 86, I guess. Weird. Um, Look at them. They're, so, they're like the sweatless hogs. <laughs> they're off to play the game. It started. And oh, this man. is based on, on real something real um wow. when harvey weinstein had um had a hotel in 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 new york here it is the century theater in buffalo new york in 1974 he purchased the facility with his friend named horace corky burger yay corky oh, burger corky. yay sticks and he ran it until it's as a rock and roll venue until it's 1978 demolition so it died. Um, they, wow, they, he had a building. Oh, well, I guess it's Buffalo, but still, that's pretty impressive that your building gets destroyed. <laughs> that's not what's impressive. What's impressive is he took a crappy rundown place and turned it into a venue. A and rock and roll hotel or rock and roll venue? I think it's just a rock and roll club. It was the Century Theater. Gotcha. Uh, this is a hotel, what we're going to see here in this film, but... I mean, it's based on real life stuff. Like, I'm sure Christopher Columbus wasn't this exotic with people tagging it on the wall. And I'm sure that the, the his Century Theater wasn't as impressive as the hotel. You know, but I mean, it's based on real life. Yeah. Right. Well, nowadays, a kid plays indigenous people there. Uh, a game of indigenous people. Uh, yeah. We used to play cowboys and Indians. And today they play indigenous people versus oppressors. <laughs> there's a comedian he does this joke uh, he's an open micer I, 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 I'm not stealing it from him but he's I like when we were kids we played kin cowboys and Indians today they play Pakistanis and Indians uh, well only in New Jersey would you hear a joke like that well I guess in England right they have all the Pakistanis yeah. right okay <laughs> but they're not hung up about it there's Marissa Torme And she wow. is Spike's Young. girlfriend, and she will play that role throughout this whole film, the supportive girlfriend. Spike's likes to eat, so she brought him ring dings. And now it's like, okay, so it's that something called the jail is over there, and it's like they, I don't know, they've got to break somebody out or something. It's part of Christopher Columbus. And they're going to use diversionary tactics. And Danny will bring this up later in the movie. And they're like, Marissa, give me your underwear. She's like, what? Well, it seems like a, a way to go. <laughs> so now uh, Silk is taunting, oh, your sister gave me a souvenir, your panty. It's diversionary tactics so they can get into the jail. And uh... This game has gone long, far long enough. It's I'm 24 sorry, hours, this game. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, look at that. He's using a New York City fire hydrant. Like they have in New York City. 
you must be way behind me. I am at uh, uh, 10 minutes and 21, 22, 23, 24. Yeah, yeah, I'm a couple seconds behind you. Couple seconds? Yeah, I don't know how. I, I went, I did the countdown, the celebrity comedian countdown. Uh, maybe because I'm casting to a... Well, I'll tell you what. No, no, it's fine. Just tell me uh, when you get to. Can you pause and then when you, I'll tell you when I get to forty. Okay, so it's ten minutes forty-seven. Okay, wait, I'll tell you when. I'll tell you when I get okay. to forty-seven. Ten minutes fifty. Ten minutes fifty. All right. Okay. Sounds good, audience. All right. So <laughs> I got it. three, two, one, ten fifty. Okay. So All now right. we're meeting uh, his little sister, who's very concerned with feeding the poor, so much so that she gave away the, their burgers for tonight's dinner. And he's like, we are the poor. Her name's Kim Hauser, and she was a child actress for a short time. She was on uh, CBS Summer Playhouse, Spencer for Hire. She was in this playing for keeps. And then she went away. She probably yeah. just, uh, you know, had a normal life. Now, look, it's the inciting incident, Mike. He is finding the deed to a hotel. So I don't get this. He inherited a hotel because he opened up a box in the kitchen? Well, the family inherited the hotel because their aunt died. So, but it doesn't make a sense. So they bought a box and put the deed in it and left it in the kitchen? That was the emergency. That's the emergency fund. Since the burgers were gone, he went to see if there was like a couple bucks in the emergency fund to go buy burgers, and he found the deed. And he's going, Ma, what is this? And she's going, Danny, forget it. There's $8,000 in taxes. So wait, how long has this deed been in the box? Like minutes, like a couple days. You know, he just Okay, because I'm going to say. If he ran out of burgers and he went to the emergency fund and then discovered they own a hotel. <laughs> no, the aunt just died. She just died. And oh, my condolences. So so the mom is like, hey, you and your crazy dreams. Nobody's been there in 20 years. Hey. Well, Ma, we can turn this into a hotel. Dreams oh, are not Danny. Dreams are going to pay the bills, eh? Your your heads are always in the clouds, Danny. You with your crazy dreams. You don't have a pepper. I remember when you were a kid. You had your crazy dreams. I said it doesn't put food on the table. Come back to reality. Look in the fridge. You've got a plastic six-pack ring, and that's it. No no sodas. She is... um, Her name's Hildy Brooks. She was on... Boston Legal, she was on an episode of ER, she was on an episode of Cold Case Files. Uh, she Her last credit is Nip Tuck in 2010, so she, you know. Yeah, so she was in ER, so she was probably in a hospital bed. She was in Cold Case, so she's probably on an autopsy table. And she was in Nip Tuck, so she, so she was on a lot of surgery tables. This is uh, the heavy, the bad guy in our film, and he's a soap opera actor who we should know his face. And basically, the financial pressure guy is like, why didn't you buy that hotel? And he's like, the lady died before I could. Don't worry. Because they're planning on putting like a chemical dump. It's a waste processing facility in the neighborhood of Holly, and nobody in Holly knows it. So and This sounds a lot like the movie My Five Wives with Ronnie Dangerfield. Uh-huh. He uh, buys a uh, ski resort. 
but he had, because it was like a weird Amish family that owned it. Yes, yeah. but he it comes with his five wives. <laughs> but there's a developer who wants the ski resort, and he'll do everything to stop Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, this sounds exactly like uh, for keeps. They ripped yeah. off Clive's. Who yeah. ripped off whom? Weinstein ripped off Rodney Dangerfield, or vice versa? I doubt it. I think this is a universal plot. The kid with dreams. Come on, we can do it. He's trying to convince his friends now. They were just in the unemployment office, and they're going to be like speedy messengers and janitors. And he's like, we could dream bigger. And they're like, okay, so he's trying to talk him into it. So he's painting a picture for uh -huh. him as the athletic director getting lots of pussy. Never mind that he totally is in love with Melissa, Marissa Torme. Well, wait, film. what's with the Happy Days special effects? <laughs> yeah, that's it's because we're in a fantasy now. Oh my god, this uh, gotta, yeah, who's directing this shit? Look how 80s those dancers are with the mist and the yeah, well, you, you need a mist when you when you do aerobics, but that workout outfit that's loose on the top, it's so bad. I mean, everything you know about Weinstein, like this is this is their vision. You'll get women. They'll touch your legs. <laughs> I think that's not about Weinstein. I think that's universal through uh, humanity. I think there's been many movies in which the guy gets talked into something because of sex. But look at the piece de resistance. It's Mar Marissa herself. Oh, it's he brought ladyfingers. But oh, you're oh. right about Weinstein, one of the first sexual harassment uh, accusations happened for this film he met some uh waitress and he was like you would be great in this film you know come to my hotel and read for it and when she showed up he was in the he was naked in the bathtub and she, yeah and he was like you should get naked too because you know for this film you're probably going to get naked and this will let me know that you could do it um, her name is um, uh, her name is Roberts, and she was a, she is today a psychology professor at Colorado College, and she researches sexual object objectification objectification, and she traces that interest back to this long ago encounter. She said she was too prudish to get naked, and she apologized to Mr. Weinstein, and she left the hotel. But uh, he was uh, a pig even back then. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, like, I I had read about this movie briefly. There was a book, the same guy who wrote Raging Bulls, he wrote a book on Miramax. But by the mm -hmm. time he wrote it, you know, it's definitely dated now because a lot, you know, he never really covered most of the sexual harassment charges. Just that uh, the Weinstein brothers took a lot of control of movies and stuff. Yeah, strong arm tactics. That's what they're accused of, or at least he is accused of. Um, Let's see. Uh, accused of strong arm tactics to market sterilization, uh, to approach to purchasing immensely popular foreign films, only let, let them sit on the shelf unreleased domestically to keep them yeah. out against the competitors. And he prohibited Asian films in particular um, from getting Oscar. Let's see. Wait, what are you talking about? Really? Yeah. Okay. Oscar-worthy films as Zheng Yimou's period action epic Hero. Uh, yeah, he, which he is like, on Netflix. 
he prevented it from I'm not exactly sure what he did about it, but he didn't give it its due. And he Americanized Asian films through redubbing and edits in terms of music and actual spoken words, undermined the artistic integrity of the director's original visions, which was the case with Chinese funny man Stephen Chow's Shaolin Sucker, the most oh, successful Hong movie. Kong film ever made, 2001. Yes. That's on Netflix as well, too. I think Kung Fu Hustle's on there, too. So, you know, this guy was, I don't know, a jerk on many levels. He uh, he used his power. He did, you know, he did what he wanted. With, I mean, it's, it's his prerogative, right? If you buy a film, you do whatever you want with it, right? And people just thought they didn't like that he did nothing with lots of films. There's lots of uh, criticisms against him, but the the one that sticks in my craw is being such a pig, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, that book would be like, oh, he's called Edward Scissorhands because he would butcher your film. But a lot of those movies that came out at the time were kind of unwatchable. Like just slow and plotting. Now, so he there's... did bring Pulp Fiction to the screen in Chicago. Yeah. And, uh, you well, know. Don't forget, I mean, all of Tarantino's films, except for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, were all Weinstein Productions, even mm -hmm. after their downfall. Oh, this guy doesn't need a security alarm at all. He's got a dog. <laughs> okay, so what's happening here is the same thing that's going to happen throughout the film. Usually it's supposed to be the hero gets to his lowest point and there's dissension in the ranks and the people on his team want to quit. And then he learns some new information and uses that to get re-energized that we can do this and talk his and – he, and he gets everyone on board with him again. But – they break that film rule in this movie because all the time throughout every single act, it all falls apart. The, they want to quit. There's dissension in the ranks. And then Danny goes, no, we can do this. And he talks him into it. This is his big plot. They went out to raise $8,000 for the taxes and failed miserably. Okay. But now they're going to be successful selling cookies as Boy Scout. <laughs> oh, they just walk into a random building. They're going to raise floor. eight grand walking into a random Manhattan office building with no this is such a permission. 80s, no laptop computers, no desktop uh, sets. Right. You and, see typewriters and papers. Yeah, electric sharpeners. Well, they all have it like uh, in a grid, like old school decimal setup. Now, she's somebody. My Clara research Peller? was she. My research was not good because this film, usually what happens is you look up a film, you get Wikipedia and IMDb, but you can go deeper and deeper into these, you know, the kinds of films you pick are covered by um, interviews and movie fan sites that really go into the details. Everyone forgot about this film. Yeah. So – Two of the women we just saw have been in many, many things on TV and movies, and I just couldn't find them. Couldn't find their names. Well, you recognize them, usually like selling soldiers. Right. It's her right now, the, the um, chubby African-American woman, and then the older woman we saw earlier. She's been on commercials and – so they just sold what one thousand dollars worth of cookies? Just no, eight offices. Eight thousand dollars. They went to all these different offices, and they're doing schemes to sell the cookies, like produce cookies. 
he, you know, she's like in love with there's look, it's all adding up. It's all yeah. adding up. Here's two another more. We can, we gotta get more converse so we could put him into more shoeboxes. Now Spikes has Marissa Torme, but he's all about sex and food. Yeah, he's already looked at that woman's dress. Yeah, he he did an upskirt. Actually, that's not fair to him. He's just looking at the legs. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, I've gone too far. <laughs> so now he's got enough money, and he's on his way. You see, he's, he's taking with him his crispy saltine crackers and <laughs> he's packing up to leave and he's saying goodbye to his sister i would whistle but i, I can't the crackers <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay all you're gonna do in this scene you're just gonna go <laughs> when the girl walks past okay got it chief <laughs> I'm, I'm services i'll be right back and roll them <laughs> cut Cut. Would you get Mr. Weinstein some water? <laughs> I did Mr. Weinstein uh, cackle a woman while eating crackers. Now we're saying goodbye to New York as he first they're on the west side. No, now he's on FDR Drive on the uh -huh. east side. East side. Right. Okay. Now he's right. The Yankee Stadium is right across yeah. the river here. Wait a minute. And, and now he's leaving what? on the George Washington Bridge. We, and anybody what? who knows this bridge, you know, knows that view and knows these famous rocks he's going to pass. So he took a scenic route to Pennsylvania. It's just weird how he was going downtown on the west side, then uptown on the east side. It makes sense to George Washington from the FDR, but... Right. Okay, so now we're in the middle of nowhere. And we are going to meet the love interest. Oh. By the way, listen, I know you're not familiar with Pennsylvania. You're more of a New York City kid, but mm -hmm. continuity is crazy. Those ducks are nowhere near that deer sign. That is ridiculous. Yeah, people are supposed to believe you're going from Pennsylvania Duck Pond to deer crossing. Now, for some reason, their van has a periscope, and we never learn why. Uh. Hey, old man love interest. I'm an old man. So wait a minute, so the love interest is, is just happens to be off the side of this farm? Right, and Marissa Torme is like, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Marissa's like... There's not another woman in this movie. So Danny, like, falls in love with Cutie Cutie, and that's it for the film. He's got a... Unlike, unlike Spike, who's looking up every skirt. He oh, he's... he's... Yeah. Oh, that's great. He's committed. Her name is Chloe, and she'll be all over our film. And he's like, I think I'm in love. Look at the periscope staring at her as they leave. Okay, now you remember the hotel in the picture, right? Right, yeah, 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 sure. It looks like a grand old place. Right. Now we're going to see what it looks like today. Uh-oh, even Delta House looks better. Yeah. I'm going to kill you! Look at it. It's all boarded up and crap. And there's mattresses on the roof. Now Marissa is doing her role going, I think it's cute, chewing gum. And she's like, I'm going inside. You know, she's like playing her supportive girlfriend part. 
Right. Well, these guys are playing the uh, crazy yeah. friends. I can't believe you hoodwinked me in another you crazy scheme. scheme. Come on, guys. Can't you see? I see potential. I see oh, rap. I see montage, right? They're going to clean up the hotel. Oh, yeah. You got it. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be like you're going to hear the Rocky music as they're you know, zigzag, zigzag on a saw. And it's going to be the whole thing. So it's like uh, Revenge of the Nerds, right? Don't they clean up the frat house and they play like a little song? They do, but actually maybe you're right that parallel because they're going to enlist a bunch of friends who they call stockholders and they're all going to come here. Okay, so he goes, I think it's haunted. There's no such thing as ghosts. And then they hear a voice. Oh, look at Marissa. She jumps right up there. She's doing her role perfectly. So this is the voice of a not a bum. He's not a bum, but he's sort of he lives there. His name is Harold Gould, the actor. And in this movie, he's called Rockefeller. Rockefeller Harding. <laughs> now Ooh, you will know him is. from he was Martin Morgenstein in the sitcom Rhoda for four years. And he was Miles Weber on the sitcom The Golden Girls um, for uh, between 89 and 92. And he was in The Sting. He was in Silent Movie, the Mel Brooks film in 76. Yeah. You'll know his face. I know them. I probably recognize his mustache. Yeah. You yeah. know, ever since he started growing that mustache, he stopped trimming his nose hair. Well, the mustache droops over his upper chin, so it's like, you know, people are distracted by that. Upper lip, know. upper lip. What did I say? Upper chin. And I'm oh, trying yeah. to think about, what's the lower chin? Let's see. Is that yeah, you know, part? the upper chin. The upper, <laughs> upper chin, where your upper lip is. Yeah, his goatee covers his upper chin. <laughs> so now it's sort of, he's explaining that he lived here and, you know, they're going to have a little meeting like they're explaining, well, we own this place, you know, and things keep falling apart. That's the joke. Well, that's nice of him to hang out. So he's like the the caregiver. Well, no, he's just a bum who moved into. He's not a bum, though. That's the thing. He just he's on the run. He's on the lamb. He's hiding from Wall Street uh, swindle. He did. And so he just moved out to Pennsylvania and found this place and hides in here. Uh, That's that, so funny. And now they're deciding, Marissa Torme is like, I think he's cute. Let's keep him because he's not a stray dog. So he goes, well, the jury is deliberating. You want a tour? Well, but isn't like Gordon Kecko after him or something like that? Yes. Charlie yeah. Sheen? Yes, they are after him, but he is nobody's going out to Holly, Pennsylvania. Who would think it? Playing for keeps. Okay, so we're in Act Two. We're going into Act Two now, and we're basically oh. get the movie poster, which is they're trying to fix up an old hotel and make a dream happen. And so we're going to see how the place is a dump and everything's falling apart, et cetera, et cetera. It's a big hotel, right? I mean, like, this is a long corridor. Mm hmm. It's an Unless estate. It's all the land. It's a palatial estate. They've got a lake. Uh, this is their uh, honeymoon suite, and it'll be more jokes about how it's a dump. Wow. It's so incredible. Like, all, all it took was their aunt dying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, if had I seen this film in the early 80s, I probably would have killed my aunt. <laughs> yeah, you get a sweet 
Well, I don't know, Carl. You wouldn't want to move to Pennsylvania. <laughs> now he is uh, there. You know, this is the nightclub. His foot fell through the stage. We're basically learning more about how this is a dump. Okay, so now Danny's on his own and he's practicing his practicing his motivational speech to the guys. He's going through different tactics he might use. Is the he looking in the mirror? That it's going to be so happy. Yes, he's looking in a mirror. Oh my God! I. This is gonna be fun. Listen, all this hamming and there's like no Jimmy Bayo, it drives me crazy. Yeah, he's coming. He does not get a good part in this film. But don't you think like all of them would be better suited if like Jimmy Bayo took over? I think yes, because I mean he's a star. I mean, he was in soap and that's in people's memories. Although yeah. it was like nine or eight years earlier, and he was in Bad News Bears. I mean, he should have been one of the friends, but the Weinsteins did not cast him that way. We don't think you would make a, a an authentic Silk. What are you talking about? People are not even named Silk. <laughs> Silk wants to be Michael Jackson, and, and the, for him, the whole thing is about that nightclub. So he's telling them it's going to be a rock and roll hotel, the Hotel Majestic. There'll be MTV in every room. Wow, okay. for kids only. Now, this is the soap opera guy who's our heavy and our bad guy. And you might know him. Let's see. Um, he is, His name is Robert Milley, and he was in The Guiding Light from 72 to 81, and he, he wow. would come back in the 80s and 90s. He's very famous for being in the soap opera. This guy is another character actor who I couldn't find out who he is on uh, in my research. Um, oh, he's he's got an upper chin. <laughs> yes, most most people do. So there's Robert Milley. Uh, his name's Henry Cromwell, and basically he's stirring up trouble. Like we got to get these kids out. They're going to bring yeah. drugs and sex to our community. Right, and we already had the Weinstein's. <laughs> but what he's really trying to do is get them out, get them to them to sell to him, so that he would. He can do the chemical dump and make a lot of money. That's so crazy. So he's just spreading the gossip right now. He said LSD in every room, not M MTV. There would be LSD in every room. Hi, I'm a stereotypical. I'm no prude, but I won't have a house of prostitution in my community. Look at I know it's the landlines. They're all very impressive. Like it's very powerful. You the only thing wrong head. about this scene is that the the Pennsylvania natives have white teeth. Yeah. So it's basically we got to have a town meeting to get rid of these guys. Okay, so now you can see that uh, Harding's no, uh, Rockefeller's no bum. You can see he's in a three-piece suit without the jacket there. He's got his tie on for some dumb reason. And we're basically learning that his history is Wall Street. And, you know, like, why are you here? And he's like, you shouldn't ask so many questions. So later on in the film, you know, they'll use that against him and arrest him. It's just another way to hurt Danny. Try to I get love how you, I love how you say like he's the Wall Street guy, but he's wearing a tie for some dumb reason. 
<laughs> because he hasn't met a Wall Street guy. He's living in a hotel. I guess, I mean, even if like that's the clothes he brought, why would you right. put on the tie? Why would you put on the tie? Well, you know, it's just that's how he dresses when he squats in the hotel in Pennsylvania. I guess, yes. I mean, if I was going to the office, I'd wear a tie. If uh -huh. I was not going to the office, I wouldn't bother. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Listen, if I was squatting in a hotel in the middle of rural Pennsylvania, I'd loosen the I would lose a tie. <laughs> I would loosen it. Yeah, I wouldn't just loosen it. I'd lose it. So this cop, he's been in a bunch of things. Um he was in planes, trains, and automobiles, but if you blinked, you'd miss him. He was in Three Days of the Condor, which I saw. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, that's a 70s Dan film. Dancer in the Dark. Um, yeah, that's a big that one. Was, that's uh, Bjork. That's his last uh, – I'm sure he was like, here's your coffee, Ms. Bjork. That was no, his you know, last It's weird time. because it, it's an arty film, but uh, David Morse, who you might recognize, remember from the TV show Hack, he always uh -huh. plays cops, and he played a cop in Dancer in the Dark and in the movie Bait with Jamie Foxx the same year. Mm -hmm. So he was like, you need a cop from your art house film? I'm here. You need a cop from <laughs> Jamie Foxx comedy? I'm here. Yeah. That's where this guy's the same. We need a cop. I'm here. All right. Right. The guy who played uh, Die Hard, the cop in Die Hard, is like that. And um, there's other people like that. Like there was the guy who was the bum in um, – he was a bum in in Back to the Future. He's been in a lot of our films. Oh yeah, right. He was he's always the bum. He's got some cutesy name uh, like Bugsy or something. Uh, he was in um, the, that, Back to the Future. Yeah, he was, he was the bum. In, yeah, it was. It was but the guy for us, the there was that something in the Bean. <laughs> Remember, Chico. Oh, he was. He Chico, was. In, wait. He was in, like, Chico three of our films. There was Freebie and the Bean. No, it was, like, W.J. Baxter and the Bean. Oh, you're talking about Bailout. Yes, Bailout. Yeah, with, with David uh, Hasselhoff. Hasselhoff. Yeah, he was, was above in that. It was, like, White Boy, the Beaner, and something else terrible. And yeah, right. WB stood for White Boy. It was an alternate title for, for Bailout. Yeah, and so Bean was the Spanish one, and there was an African American one, and I don't know what. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't mean, either. Yeah. But, but that's what it was, and um, uh, he always plays the bum. So what happened now is the cop and the guy came up basically to say, you know, you better sell or there's going to be trouble, and we're gonna I'll pay you three thousand dollars. So now there's dissension in the ranks again. You know, S Silk and um, uh, and Spikes are like three thousand dollars for three days' work. Come on, Danny. He goes, "What do you want to be a speedy messengers?" And you know, basically, it's it's the same old plot twist. We quit, and then Danny, you know, gets it so that they don't quit. You know, like, come on, we yeah. can make something out of our lives here instead of just being nobodies in New York. They're just teenage kids. I mean, they just graduated high school. That's his turd. He just made it. Oh. Danny, we thought you would be here at Ponder Rock. <laughs> we thought you'd be here. 
cough and a squat. So um, we uh, we uh, will stick with you because that's how this script goes. Yeah. I guess uh, I should tell you that um, Silk, right? His name's Leon Grant, and he was in Brother from Another Planet. He was in Dark Breed. He was in The Wanderers. And then he stopped being like a big guy. He turned into a – he was in Party of Five, one episode in 1998 as Bob. He was, <laughs> he was in Seinfeld in 1997 as Counterperson. That turned into his career after oh, this yeah. movie. So he probably got more money off that Seinfeld appearance than this movie. Well, that's actually, I'm not being fair because Dark Breed was a major film and that was 96. But basically, that's what ended up happening. Now, Matthew Penn is different. He was, is an American director and producer of television and theater. Over 150 primetime TV dramas he's directed. Wow. Yeah. So he went on to not be a star, but rather, you know, he was executive producer of Law and Order from 2003 to 2007. Um, he won an Emmy for directing the 200 episode of Law and Order, which had Julia Roberts in it. He directed The Sopranos, House Damages, The Closer, Royal Pains, Brooklyn South. NYPD Blue. Here's, here's my impression. Here's my impression of watching Julia Roberts in the two other episode okay. of Law and Order. Yeah. Hi. She did it. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're watching over the credits and Julia Roberts. She did it. This is my reaction uh, to watching Julia Roberts and the... Yeah. Right. So basically what's happening now is they're getting hassled, like, up, oh, laying clothes. I'm not selling you any paint. You know, like, um, every t everywhere they go, it's just hard for them. And the look at the – you could still buy those stickers, green stamps. In, in oh, yeah, S&H. That's right. Well, those are cool. You could get, like, a can opener or, like, a car, depending on how many you, you save. Now, there's no bleep, 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 you know, universal product code scanners. Uh, Get out. They, it was at 86. They had to. Well, they're not, not in this. Didn't you see they had the registers with the buttons, you know, have to put in the yeah, price right. and enter. I got to look at the sticker. What does it say? 69? This lane closed, honey. Oh, poor Marissa. Oh, I want to buy two gallons of milk. You got her night. Look how 80 she is, man. She's yeah. got her one earring. Uh-huh. She has the, that scrunchie in her hair. She's got her leopard print. Yeah. Okay, now we're going to need another guy who's like a character actor who you should know. And I'm making a guess. Uh, that his name is William Newman. Um, and I'll sh when he comes up, I'll show you. Basically, they're going to be hassled once again. Slam! Here's your food, you city scum. Uh, you go back to New York City. Seriously, man, what, what kind of New York City high schoolers go back to, go to Pennsylvania? You see the guy in the center there? Uh-huh. 
Do you recognize his face? I don't recognize any of these guys. I mean, you're right. They might have all been in like an RC commercial back in the 80s, but I, I just can't oh, play no, it. Oh, no, this guy, uh, I, if it's who I think it is, there's, he's got some real credits here. Um, he was in Mrs. Doubtfire in 93. He was in Brubaker, The Postman Always Rings Twice, Mosquito Coast. Uh, a hero? He was in hero. Leprechaun? You like that one? Sure. Leprechaun. He was in Jury Duty. Well, that one I know. Why don't you way to bury the lead? <laughs> With uh, Polly Shore, Teacher's Pet, Mrs. Doubtfire. You know uh, who else was in Jury and Duty? And he's our Star Trek connection. Go ahead. In Jury Duty, Polly Shore's parents were played by Shelley Winters and Charles Napier. Uh huh. And the killer was Stanley Tucci. Okay. How's that for a movie? It should be good, but it was. Yeah. No, it was, you know. Recently, I got very jealous. Now, I rarely have envy or jealousy, but I did. Um, there's a fellow comedian, and he is a formerly a pro wrestler, and he's been getting cast in things. They're all B-level things, but he's out there doing it. And on uh, Christmas, he posted Pauly Shore sending him like a video message going hey mike what's up I, you know i was so jealous it was Pauly shore all alone on christmas he's jewish though all alone yeah. on christmas somewhere in nevada somewhere in, in las, las vegas um but it was like a residential home paulie did not look good he said he was wearing his hat because he had a shower he had not taken a shower yet oh yeah but, that's why but even though paulie is so low on the you know he's like an e-level star i was still so jealous because we recently did that movie remember paulie shore is dead yeah and i got to research and yeah look that was the and hear his podcast and stuff and uh you know it's so funny like i should be his personal friend but no mike gets that uh gets that uh okay so now, love interest comes over and surprises them with a basket of farm produce from, you know, just to help out. Yeah. And he's Well, because they couldn't get any pro. He yeah. Couldn't get he any can't groceries. get any groceries. Right. <laughs> Marissa st struck out. So here's a corn and a tomato. Basically, he <laughs> asked her out on a date, and it's very tough because he's like, You want to go see a movie? She's like, The closest movie theater is 50 miles from here. He goes, well, how about we get some pizza? And she goes, the yeah. is right next pizza, to the right? movie theater. <laughs> so he goes we through all it. these things, and she basically is like, why don't we take a walk? So that's what well, we're having now, their walk. Let's just go to the nearest horn and heart hat and get some automated food. Oh, the local Automat is, is 600 also, miles. Remember those things? So he's like, in New York, we buy flowers. And so she's teaching him about flowers. He keeps on trying to kiss her and stuff, and she's diverting diversionary tactics. Right. And he's like, you know, this is uh, the butter. Oh, that doesn't look like a butter. Oh, no, it's not yet. Uh, I don't know. She's teaching him all about flowers. In the end, though, they will. Uh, whoops, he almost yeah. dragged. Her. You keep trying to kiss me. Yeah, the director tells me to. This is the buttercup. Now they kiss. And that's it. 
Chloe is now in love with her. So he's like, here, sit down on these flowers, these and she's like, that's poison ivy. No, seriously, I'll overreact for comedic purposes. What a dump. So Man. even though we're not at the montage now, we find that uh, they're trying to make themselves useful. Yeah. Like uh, fixing up things and... Well, if you have a tennis court and it's filled with crap, it's best to start building the, the net first. Right. Never mind the weed whacker. <laughs> uh, they electrocuted themselves. Right. Now yeah. we have something a little funny. I should let you know nothing in this film is funny, but this is a little funny. You, go, you know, he's the older, mature one, so he fixes the electricity and goes, and then there was lights, and he's all proud of himself, and the lights go out, and he goes, and then there wasn't. This is Ooh. funny, too, because of the, just for its physicality. What? I haven't seen anything funny yet, Carl. <laughs> it's right now. It's happening oh, right now. Blah. But this is as wow. funny as it gets in this. And I'm not kidding. Remember Gilligan's Island? I was like, this thing isn't funny, but I played you like three or four funny. Yeah, things. no, no, but you quoted it a couple of times. There was some, there was some Gilliganisms. There is no funniness in this whole film. Wow! Look, they got a basketball court. That's the first thing New Yorkers want in their hotels. Yeah, right. A little bit of home. Now look at this place. Doesn't it look like he's in the soap opera right now? Oh my God! Yeah, this is like Falcon Crest. <laughs> Basically, what this is once again is I'm giving you pressure to buy that hotel. Relax, pressure guy. I'm gonna yeah. buy the hotel. I can't believe Rodney ripped off Weinstein's. Yeah. This is the, this is totally the plot to my five wives. Yeah, I wish he was dead. Oh man! By the You're way, you can see. Inform me that he is, and I think I think it worked. Oh, all right. right. Well, Rodney is dead. Oh, I see my plan coming to fruition. Okay, right now, the he says, who was that financial pressure guy? And he goes, no, he wasn't a financial pressure guy. He was, he's my, he's my cousin. And he goes, oh, he is? He's family? We'll tell him to forget about the traffic ticket I just gave him. And he goes, oh, oh. so that <laughs> will later reveal that soap opera guy is telling lies. All right, sounds good. Now here we have the lagoon at Gilligan's Island. Nice, finally, so Gilligan's Island. I just want to check in with you. I am at 48 and 43, 44, 45. What are you? 47, 48. I'm on like 30. I'm on 40 right now. I don't know why that's happening. Wait, you're, caught... you are I'm at... at? I'm at 48, 48. Okay. So it's not terrible. It's like no, 12 it's seconds behind. 12 seconds behind? Yeah. Here, let me just click a button and I'll just move it up a couple of seconds. <laughs> I should pause instead. All right. Pause. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, basically what's happening now is they're trying – He's. I'll pause in a second. He's trying to, like, get into – you know, he's trying to make this – he's trying to seal the deal. You're my girlfriend. And she's like – She's going to go skinny dipping instead to diversionary tactic that. I think that's a bad move. Okay, I'm going to pause. Okay. And 49.35, 35 seconds. 49.35. Okay. Oh, well, I'm at 30, 31. Go. 33, 34, 35. 
Yep, okay. there you go. Thanks, Carl. Now look, booze. You yeah, see, see Chloe's that worked booze. out. So Weinstein wasn't lying. Wait a minute, you paused at that scene? Yeah, because I just wanted to gawk at it. Okay, <laughs> now she goes into the water and all of a sudden she has a tank top on. Now we're going to have very sexy Marissa Tom Tomei stuff. Yeah, look at it. They're in the, in the arrest. So they're doing it right now. Yeah. Well, basically, it's like, I can't sleep without any city noise. Do me a favor. Go outside and honk the horn a couple times. Slam the door and stub your toe. And she goes, would you shut up and let's do it? Nice. Now, watch this. Whoa! That'd be a money shot. Wow, they're all getting sexy, except for Silk. Now, she's got her tank top on, so she's not naked. Just disappointing. Ah, the water gets cold. Yeah. That's why those things are going boing. Let's go skinny dipping, asterisk. What's the asterisk for? I'm going to wear a top. <laughs> Look at the sweeping. Okay. It's going to get better. Now a weird thing happens. Chloe shows up and she's like, I would like to check in, please. And they're shocked. She's like, went, she left her home and has decided to come be part of their, I don't know, she's in love with Danny now is basically what's going Wait, on. Wait, this is the farmer? This is, is the farmer's farm? daughter, daughter who really works in the bank. Wait, aren't we all just farmer's daughters? No, no, we are not. <laughs> I'm the weary traveler who the farmer let me stay in the barn. Just don't touch my daughter. Ah. Uh, yeah, no, that reminds me of a joke, Carl. I was uh, a traveling salesman back in the yeah. day. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it was getting really late and rainy. Well, I'll have to tell you about this later. All right. Understood. Uh, yeah. That reminds me of the National Lampoon we saw. Uh, in which uh, Max Headroom was the farmer's father, farmer's daughter's father. Who's the farmer? Oh, my God. Remember this he had the shotgun? Yeah, oh, this was, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, 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 the comedian film. It was not Class Trip, of course, even though he was in that. He was in, he wasn't in the scene of Class Trip, which we watched with no sound. It was probably the road trip one that was all shot in Canada. Um, yeah, going the limit. Yeah, uh, going the distance. Going the distance. Piece of crap cool. film, but I enjoyed watching it. We've seen Matt Brewer, Max Headroom in a bunch of movies. We saw him in Speed Zone. He, listen, I gotta say, that guy is good. He is underrated, and he should have been a big star. Everything we've ever seen him in, the crappiest films, he's doing his job. He's making us laugh. Yeah, but so he was Max Headroom, and he survived Max Headroom. You know what I mean? Like, for a guy who was like, yeah, the, face, the zeitgeist face, he went on and did a, a sitcom. Remember Doctor Doctor? Right. You're right about Max Headroom. It was a, a zeitgeist. It was a piece of the '80s MTV, and it was that's where he could have been for good. But I don't know. He's a Star Trek connection. He's uh, if if we ever make um, National Lampoon's Open Micers, uh, he's got to be in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, we got to get every Matt Lampoon actor in it. No, just him. Just him? Okay. <laughs> now, this guy is the building inspector, and they have – we're heading towards Act 3 now is what's going on. And mm -hmm. they have, yeah, you say that, but we still have another hour in this movie. 
no, we have 40. Yeah, you're right. No, but it's set up for Act 2. We're not there yet. What's going to happen for Act 3? What's going to happen for Act 3 is we he goes to New, back to New York City and gets all these investors to come help him get the hotel up to speed. And then we're going to have – we just had the setup for it. One of the things they have to do is not a septic tank. It's a something field. Um, it's like where all the poop goes. And if they had a backhoe, they could get it done in a day, but they don't. So they have to shovel it out. You'll see. All right. So basically, he went to find uh, Rockefeller because he knows he would know what to do. And he Rockefeller's in church. We don't know that he has remorse for his Wall Street scandal, and he's trying to – but he's basically telling them now, do you think I should quit? And he's like, you don't understand American business. What you need is stockholders, investors, and he gives them the idea to go back to New York and get Jimmy Bayo and others. Oh, oh, good. So we're finally getting to the Bayo. Yes. Now – the so many people they were only in this film and we're gonna meet them all when we oh Twade Towers uh, yep are we lined up yeah yeah so, yeah no I saw them okay look we're on the West Side Highway going downtown there uh-huh. Paris the Periscope is down Snooky's Diner Snooky's is not downtown <laughs> now this um, is the chef. They're going to hire a chef. His name is uh, Gene Epps. His name is Bruce Klugger, and basically this is all he did. But he's good. He's good. Let me put it up. All right. So now we meet the pot guy. Um, yeah. And I think his name is Glenn Robert Rabillard. And he only did this film. Okay, now Ooh. we're meeting the electrician guy, and he's all about... Uh, Wizard of War. That's the game. Wizard yeah. of War. See, That's I told what... it. <laughs> it's the real game. Yep. By the way, it's Midway because it was the, they used the Chicago Midway to have uh, the World Fair. I see. It had nothing to do with World War II. This guy's name is Doug uh, Warhit. Uh, right now we're looking at uh, Anthony Mar- Marconia, who uh, he began his acting career at age five playing Kirk Douglas's godson in The Brotherhood. Basically, oh, there's Jimmy. Jimmy Bayo. No, Jimmy Bayo is just trying to get laid. That's right, and that'll be his joke throughout the movie. They're going to inject him with, you take your pick, syphilis, gonorrhea, or herpes. And she's like, "You, I'm out of here. And he's like, all oh. right, I'll invest. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. They, was, wait a minute. He was having sex. They come yeah. in with needles. Needles of gonorrhea, syphilis, and uh, herpes. Which one do you want? Oh, my God. I thought this movie was real for a second. 
Now, since he's home, he goes to visit mom and sister, but we don't see mom again for the whole film. We do see a lot of sister. Oh, yeah. And he's telling her all about Chloe. And she's like, do you love her? Yes. Did you smooch with her? And he goes, go, that's enough. Go to sleep. Oh, <laughs> mom, I was wrong. She won't go to Pennsylvania, though. Oh, keep talking, all right? I'll be right back. I have to get coffee. This movie's boring me. Okay. I would bring me a cup because I agree. So uh, that basically uh, what's happening now is the stockholders are coming through town and they're going to make a big show of it so that the townspeople know they're for, they're for real. They're serious. Now, how did they get a yellow school bus? Right? They don't have any money. How did they do that? So basically, we get the townspeople pretending they're shocked. And why would you be shocked that a yellow school bus came through town? Uh, but uh, they are. So Jimmy Bayo's like, where's the delicatessen? Ah! <laughs> so now, soap opera bad guy is saying to guy who always plays the cop, I want you to research everybody who's associated with this hotel and find me some dirt. So the cop is off to do that. Got Bayo and Boob Girl. I gotta say, Marissa Torme does her job in this movie. Uh, she... Okay, he's like, you won't expect me to cook in this kitchen. They're like, no, we expect you to clean it up. Like, everybody's getting a little hoodwinked. Now, Jimmy Bayo's like, where's the bed? He goes, there's no arcade. There's not even electricity. And he goes, good. This must be the electrician you told me about. Get to work. So he's essentially putting, Steinberg, you said you were going to sleep with me. Where are the beds? That's Jimmy Bayo's whole role. I think he came back, Mike. Yeah, I did come back. I was laughing so much at Jimmy Bayo repeatedly cock-blocked. He goes, where's all the grass you promised me? There it is. Start cutting. Oh. <laughs> it's basically that through, you know, each one comes out like, you promised me an arcade. There's not even electricity. You better put some in then. Here's the equipment. So where's all that pot? You said it was going to be in the kitchen. It's in the kitchen. <laughs> There's <Yeah>. pots and pans. <laughs> now he's saying that they have to. He has to. They have to fix these beds. And Jimmy Bayo, you can practice every. You can break them in. But how are you supposed to fix old mattresses? You're not, right? And let's be honest. Doesn't Jimmy Bayo look a lot like Jay Leno? Yes, that's a good call. Yeah, a young a Jay. But Jay Leno looked more goofy. But uh, they both wore denim. Yeah. Okay, so now we have the last Act Three setup. It's that oh, the I rickety old a, bridge. I got a backhoe for you, but I'm not bringing it over this rickety ass uh, bridge. Uh, there's, you know, it, it, the bridge will collapse. Ah. Well, shouldn't they fix the bridge first before they build a hotel around the bridge? They won't do it. Hmm. Well, it looks like they're literally breaking ground. Yeah, because there's no backhoe, they're going to fill the septic uh, poop trench 
on their own. They're going to dig it out. And I should, I said fill, but <laughs> they're not going to fill it yet. So basically, oh, no. it's uh, see the funny, funny hilarity. We're going to get that montage you were talking about coming up. I hope so. Yeah, they turn yeah. into a pretty place. Oh. Just because it really happened doesn't mean you got to make a movie about it, right? Oh, now, Daddy's here to uh -oh. come back to get Chloe. Now, you might notice him. His name's Raymond Berry, but he is an Academy Award winner for Born on the Fourth of July. Which he I was saw. In, did you see Dewey Cox, the story, Walk Hard? Yeah, sure, Walk Hard. Yeah, he was the dad going, the wrong kid died throughout the whole film. <laughs> And that's in the beginning of the movie. That's such a great scene. He was in Cool Runnings. He was in Falling Down. He was in Training Day. Wow. Uh, he was on Lost. He's uh, on the X-Files. This guy's for real. This must have been a sort of early on thing for him. I don't get he... it. I've seen everything you said, and I still don't recognize him. You don't recognize him? God, is that weird? I've yeah. seen every single show you mentioned. Well, when Jeez. I first saw this film, I... I I didn't research it before I saw it the very first time, and uh, I'm up. This is like my fifth or sixth time viewing it with you now. I yeah. recognized him immediately. You know, we, our audience knows that the premise is that I'll find a movie that I heard about, and Carl researches and watches it several times. So right. It was a little statistic to say I got you a movie co-directed by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> So now the, the father's like, you've got, we're getting out of here. Clearly this guy is Jewish. Look at his hair. And then yeah. he's like, dad, I'm clearly Jewish. And so he's like, I'm going to be Jewish. I, I am not Jewish. And I, oh, here she is at the bank. Look at, the, she has Jewish hair, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She is not Jewish in this film. But he's, he, is he Jewish in this film? He's not. He's just Danny. They don't talk about Judaism at all. But I'm saying if you look at his hair, uh, yeah, no, you and no. I discussed this before. You yeah, said your hair used curls. to look like that. Yeah, it looks like there's an animal on top, wearing an animal, wearing an animal on your head. Yeah, wearing a, a mink. Yeah. <laughs> How did that beaver get a mink? Doesn't he? <laughs> your mink is wearing a mink. That's not uh, cannibalism, but it's Awful. Sir, can you take off your furry hat? It's very rude. Wait, I forget uh, what this is. Hold on. It's the bad guy, and he's talking to local authorities. Okay, so now he's saying to the cop, if you help those kids get, you know, out of town so I can buy the place, then I'll essentially put in a good word for you with the mayor to get some position. That's so strange. Now he's all bummed out about Chloe because she is gone. And so Rhoda's husband gives him a basically a talking to like, hey, get off your ass and get back to work. I mean, that's what's going to win her back. We, you know, you, you, you need to remember you're the one always talking everyone into the dream. So start dreaming again. Come on, kid. Whack. Now we have our montage. Good, all it's right. It's basically a musical number. Oh, they're gonna sing too? Oh yeah, they're all no, together. No, it's not that. It's it's not that kind of musical number. It's more like they're dancing to '80s songs. Oh yeah, this is 
the kind of song is like, you know, that 80s, like, get yeah. out of my car, get in, get out of my dreams, get in. It's Billy Ocean. Yeah, it's that kind of song. Let me tell you, this, this, like you said, research was hard to do on this film. There wasn't a lot about it, but I think when Universal bought it, they heavily invested in a, a, a soundtrack. We've got Life to Life from Pete Townsend. Also, Distant Drums by Peter Frampton. Um, there's a Phil Collins song. We said hello, goodbye. Which was actually a B-side for two of his, you know, No Jacket Required uh, singles. Sister Sledge is in this. That just seems like such a waste of, like, talent. Like, typical Miramax. Like, we got an A-list uh, soundtrack for yeah. a movie that, like... They're you dancing. hear how it's 80s, the song? Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. I'm listening to the music. It's just that perfect kind of, We're gonna make it! Doom, doom, chicka, 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 doom. Soundtrack, boom, 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 boom. It's They're all dope. dancing. Yeah. Why are they Why are they dancing in sync? I don't get it. Like this is the first time we've seen anything like this in this movie. So it's just like you said. It's 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 the kind of montage thing. Like we're making this house look good. Yeah, but the montage has like booger cutting something, and you know, then they cut to like the nerd. Like it's not exactly. Even though they're doing this dance thing, they are cutting around. Yeah. You know? Look, this is supposed to be hilarious. Hilarious. Now, oh. the, um, also, the most interesting thing about the soundtrack is they have that Stand By Me, which John Lennon did a very famous version of, and it was a really good version, but it's done by his son, Julian Lennon. At 86, so how old was Julian? Like, how old, I don't know, but this was around the time in which all of a sudden he burst out and had an album, right? right. And yeah. everyone said, oh, he's started, you know, he, and then he went away. Then he went away. I don't know. We... No, you know what? Didn't the last thing Sam Peckinpah did was he directed a music video for Julian Lennon. Are you sure it's not Sean? Okay, Sean in Lennon's... the 80s? In the 80s? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Sam Peckinpah, like one of the last thing the, the famous Western director did was a music video. Uh-huh. Like the violent director. Hello, boys. Uh, Basically, they're trumping up charges because he wants that mayor's high position. Oh, yeah. You have a broken tail light? Smash. You've Where's been drinking. Bella? You're intoxicated. They're busting him. Oh, yeah. There was a beer and a broken headline. Pap's Blue Ribbon in 86. That's like <laughs> Blue Velvet drink. Duran Duran is in the soundtrack. Really? Yeah. And it's a terrible song. Um, Is it exclusive? Here you go, Mr. Weinstein. It's a really bad song, so I'm not sure if it's exclusive, but they invested money. Let's a lot of see. times, yeah. Yeah, it was purchased by Universal Pictures. So Miramax made it, and they couldn't release it, so they shopped it around, and it was picked up. Um, the Miramax, the production company, was existing in the 80s, right? Uh, yeah, it was founded in 79 by the brothers, and it was about independent films and motion picture distribution. Yeah. And it was a production company, but it was bought by Walt Disney in 93, and Bob and Harvey stayed on 
and they they operated Miramax with more creative and financial independence than any other division of Disney, apparently. That's what it's reported. They left in September of 2005 and started their own studio. Right, the Weinstein Company. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, a lot of a lot of their uh, creative talent went with them. So there was like, you know, I guess Kevin Smith famously and Quentin Tarantino, as we said, they, were, they all stayed on Weinstein until they got to the point where they couldn't, but... Right. There was a. So there Disney was... sold it themselves in 2016 uh, to be in Media Group, but in 2019, 49 percent of it was sold. 49 percent of it was sold to Viacom, CBS, and huh. that it, right now, as of April 3rd this year, um, Viacom owns half of Miramax. I don't know. Is it worth it now that it's not in Disney's well, hands? I don't know. Well, so what were the famous Miramax movies? You have the Tarantino films, you have Life is Beautiful, you have Shakespeare in Love. I mean... Do... There's too many to mention, but you're yeah. right about those. Right now, we're learning the lie, okay? He's like... Oh, they're, they're eavesdropping from the ground. Right. And so he's like, hey, I told you that your cousin didn't need to take that ticket, but he paid it from a company called Pritchard Chemicals. And he goes, oh, yeah, well, he switched jobs from insurance to chemicals. And he goes, oh, that's an interesting switch. And the cop's like, this motherfucker lied to me. And that is then, funny. And then, you see, they're in jail with the guy who hassled him in the diner. And he's like, he lied to right. me, too. He said, if I hassled you guys, the next time I got in trouble, he'd go easy on me. Look at me. I'm thrown in the clunk here. So basically, Pritchard Chemical is the one that's going to bring the chemical dump, and that's what uh, is the big lie that he can expose soap opera guy with. Meanwhile, back in the septic tank. Well, what happened is the cop was saying, we found something about people in that, or you know, associated, but it's not the kids, it's... It's uh, Rockefeller, and so they're arresting him right now for this stock swindle. Oh, wow. Hamilton. And Jimmy Bayo is like, why am I way in the back here? I should be up front and <laughs> friends. Is it because I told Bob to fuck off? Look at how Marissa is not dressed. Well, we're away from her now, but she was in a man's shirt. Yeah. I guess she was doing work in the trenches is why. The trenches, they're digging like a septic tank. Yeah. So right now he's like, listen, if if a soap opera guy is telling everyone lies, then you need to arm yourself with the truth. That's how you get him. Good point. He is the wise old mentor. Oh, <laughs> typical Wall Street guys. They got to tell the truth. Once they're in jail, they're like, yeah, the <laughs> truth. Very good. Very take good. It from, take it from me. You don't want to be where take, I am in jail. A guy, take it from a guy in handcuffs. <laughs> so at one point out, at uh, one point, the production, of, like, they didn't have any money. The brothers ran out of money. And they had to depend on this partner named Frank McGuire to supply financing. There's some story behind that. They really hated that. There's some, there's some story about how that made their lives awful. But I really don't care. 
Harvey yeah. Weinstein's life was awful. He went on I'm to sure be just has fine. A... Yeah, right. I'm sure this movie has some interesting backstories, but you're right. Like the people involved with it just kind of. It's now, so strange Universal. Because... Yeah. Universal turned this into a real film and gave them success. There was a, um, a documentary on MTV, a 22 making of, a, th- a half an hour making of documentary. Um, so they did not suffer for this film. This film actually helped them, even though it was so bad. There's this no story. No, there's a story. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's supposed to be a comedy and there's nothing funny going on. Right. Well, these lighthearted, you know, dreamers. So the hey. sister comes and sees all the trouble that Danny's having. And Danny's saying, like, how everything's going great. And he's finding out it's not true. So it's basically like, you parked illegally in the so-and-so. And you're doing resisting arrest. And I don't know. So the sister right comes the and sees him being hauled away. And uh-huh. I really think they missed a dramatic moment in which the sister could have been really upset. Um, Meanwhile, back in prison. Right. Yeah, my dad, he never liked me. He used to shove, he put a lot of ketchup on my plate. I guess I was acting out. Yeah, he used to dump salt. He said, you want salt? <laughs> Here's salt. Dad, you know I have a sodium problem. So now, because we're in Act 3, we are supposed to have had Hero's darkest moment, even though that's what I'm saying. It wasn't very dark, in which he decides he's going to quit. And that is what's happening here. He's like, I'm going back to New York tomorrow. And um, usually what happens now is the hero gets educated about something like he would now learn about the chemical factory or something. But they didn't do it that way. And it's basically his friends who are going to convince him to stay. Yeah. I don't think the his sister has anything to add. He is just... The, I mean, if this movie was written... They, they tried to write a traditional script here. They really did. But I think that they, they missed it with Hero's Darkest Moment. It should have been much lower. And it should have been something was in peril. Like, we're going to put your sister in a foster home, something serious, you know, and then he should have learned about the lies and the chemical factory and been realized, oh, there's Jimmy Bayo, that now he's got something against. Okay, so what sister's going to do now is she's going to start making moves. First thing she's going to do is go to Chloe and say, my brother loves you. Do you him? <laughs> she's a little snitch. We're going to have a woman-to-woman talk, she said. It's so strange. I love how the camera, like, like a sitcom, like, do-do-do-do, <laughs> exterior shot of the going up to the window. So now Spikes is like, we got 12 hours to build this trench. And they're like, forget it, guys. I'm going home. Yeah, what about the septic tank trench? What are you talking about? I love septic. Why? I'm even, I'm having a flashback. 
This is I'm just dead. a dream. What, so that was the only time they had like a fantasy flash forward where they're dancing and stuff. They're not going to be like, imagine the septic tank finish. Right. Star swipe. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. They no, they in the beginning when he was talking him into joining this little venture, that's when we had our flash forwards. So basically the sister knows that if Chloe says stay, he's gonna stay. Because he's totally in love. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. See what they're saying. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Oh, and they're walking, even though there's no pizzeria or bowling alley in sight. Yeah. Rock got arrested, you left, and there's no pizzeria, and Scott Bayo got such a terrible part. <laughs> Jimmy Bayo. Jimmy Bayo. Oh, I got to stop doing that. <laughs> if, if Jimmy Bayo ever hears this, he's going to be on his shit list. Because that's probably what he hates. He probably hates. Hey, aren't you the cousin of Scott Bayo? No. I'm that kid from Soap. Oh, oh, it's funny, too, because I was watching Breaking Training, and I said, oh, my God, let me check his IMDb page. And I went to the bio, and he's like, brother of actor Jimmy Bayo. <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, right. uh, <laughs> like it, his brother is an actor, but he's, it's not Scott Bayo. Because he's also a cousin of Scott Bayo, if it's a brother. Yeah. And they chose to well, say. Well, no, it was like his brother was a, an actor, but it wasn't Scott Bayo. So that was what it was mentioned. Look so at this. What 666. We're, yeah, what we're seeing here is that, well, it's 666, D6. Oh, it's running off. What we're seeing here is that this Pritchard company has been definitely paying off soap opera guy. So now we're well, having a big speech. They used a computer to find this out? Yes. That <laughs> new invention in 86. Yeah. Oh, I saw this in War Games. It's a computer. Well, can you get the information? Sure. It'll just show up on the screen immediately. <laughs> right. In yellow <laughs> font. Wow, we're getting the information we need. Uh, rapid pace. Seconds. Okay. Now, basically what he's saying is we got to get the backhoe into town and we've got to do it with nobody noticing so they won't try to sabotage us. So we're going to play the biggest game of Christopher Columbus ever. And we're tying in our movie fart. Christopher movie. Columbus. Right. And what about the bridge? That's the thing. They're not going to fix the bridge. They're just going to drive that fucking backhoe right across it. And... So now they're doing diversionary tactics, and this is supposed to distract the town from what's – and the you'll see, the backhoe just drives through all the chaos. Nobody notices. I love how they tie in Christopher Columbus. That was from that movie we were watching called uh, – oh, it's the same movie. No, it's the same. Well, they must be playing for keeps, these guys. Oh, right. See, they were just playing. In the beginning, first hour of this film, but now they're playing for keeps. This was released October third. Uh, it made one point four million from uh, over, you know over a thousand theaters uh, during its open w weekend, and it went on to win uh, to make um, two point six six three million domestically. So. 
this was a success. They spent, uh, I don't have the dollar amount that they spent, but they, this was, a, they made money. Well, Universal made money. They bought it. So Universal made the money. The Weinsteins just got, uh, I don't know what their payout was or anything. So Spice is getting distracted by food, which he loves. And Marissa Torme is like, come on. Uh-oh. They're making too much noise. Oh, no. So wait, do you think like Steven Soderbergh would be like, listen, I think I know uh, what I'm talking about. And they're like, no, no, you got to do this. He's like, why? Because you directed, co-directed playing for keeps? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's like um, every now and again when Oprah was on TV, there'd be some film star and they'd relay something. And she would go, when I was filming The Color Purple, and she would, you know, she became an expert. You know what I mean? Well, she was an expert. I mean... She is like a – you can't dismiss Oprah when it comes to movies. In that movie, she went on later to do the – that uh, Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle in Time. I saw that with her in there. But, but – which was a great book. I, I don't know about that movie. I, I – You know what? The movie was great. The movie was great. It was – the book – nothing happens in the book, and nothing happens in the movie. It was perfect. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll have to see it. I already know it's fine. <laughs> You must have like read that book and thought it was like something better than it was. I guess you know? yes. I was young when I read that book, and I didn't like how the book started without really explaining this is going to be a travel through the universe movie. You know, it was just like some dude walking home with these two sisters. It didn't. Things weren't adding up. The next thing you know, they were like off on some journey. Right. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's see. I wrote down. The Rodney Danger. Oh, my five wives. And uh -huh. I guess I'll also see. It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, Amazon Prime. I don't yeah. have to do Netflix DVD. No, you can just watch it and go. Why did I watch this? I'm telling you, it's one of the great. Like he's super old in it, and you know he'll say like, "Oh," and then you know the dog never came back, and they'll be like, "Oh, Rodney's character, you're so funny." Oh, uh, I'll tell you another thing. Jimmy Bale. Oh, look at that. She's buying ham. Well, okay. One of their diversionary tactics is the ham was 11 cents a pound. And she's like, holy shit. So basically, they mark down everything in the grocery store to be like, you know, dimes and nickels. Well, I'll tell you, my local uh, butcher, the ham is like 11 cents a pound. Ah, oh, Rodney's character, you're so funny. That's like every old Rodney movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so there's chaos in the chaos in the grocery. I heard chocolate chips are a dollar sixty nine. Yeah, see, I was thinking that I saw that chocolate chip cookies. Look how much. Uh, no, but that was the real price. It was eighty six. Yeah. Basically, everything's going wrong now. Uh, the electric guy is going to make the diner go nuts. You know. How can he make records fly out? I don't know. It's all the diversionary tactics right now so that no one will notice the backhoe. I love it. Like, they, they're causing a lot of mischief. They're like gremlins. Move over, gremlins. Yes. Except Move over, uh, critters. Not like gremlins at all. <laughs> what I remember is munchies. You think the, the munchies would pull this off, right? They would, tell, they would shoot off. Uh... Wait, how is that possible? 
I love the Munchies movie Head. That was really good. <laughs> yeah. The Munchies, they were great. Well, they were, they were, you know, discrediting who they were back then, the Munchies. Of course, we're talking about the Monkeys, and I just want to say Paul McCartney's putting out a new record, and he has never addressed the fact that the Beatles' early songs really, really sound a lot like the Monkeys, you know? Oh, what a rip. Yeah, you ever see, like, a Help or Hard Day Night? What a Here's rip the backhoe. All right, here we go. We love the birdsberry. So, so he's the backhoe is sneaking through town. The plan worked, and they dress up as nuns and they they hoodwink a guy into renting them the backhoe. But now he finds the um, files on Pritchard Chemicals, and he's going to expose soap opera guy. Now, so soap far, so guy's good. About to walk into his office, so Chloe is distracting him with some unfunny drama. I'm going to college. I, I'm, I'm scared. I, I don't know if I should go. Wait, is that her dad? No, it's it's uh, just a just bad a guy who's her dad is basically was just in that one scene. He He's with the shotgun. You know, you're my daughter. You're coming home. OK, now she's doing, harassing him. Yeah, she's preventing him from walking in and capturing, uh, discovering Danny, finding out the information. 